Um, uh, thank you, Kevin, for sharing that. And, you know, someone asked me this morning about giving, and I still had the old app on my phone. I said, Ugh, I don't know. You can always go to our website, centerpointme.org, and you can give that way. Um, thank you for your faithfulness in giving. The ministries of this church would not be possible if you weren't faithful to give. So uh, we are so grateful for that. Uh, again, if you're a guest here, please stop by the new here area. Shawnee waved to everybody. So you see Shawnee over there. She's smiley and happy and nice. He'll give you a, a free gift just to say thanks for being here. And uh, we'd love to ask you, especially if you're a guest, stop in there. Um, I also want to let you know that out in the foyer today, um, Tyler Young, our missionary... Uh, to be actually heading off into the mission field. Is this your last Sunday, by the way? Or are you? It is your last Sunday. Get up here, dude. <laughs> Come on up here. I love this young man. Um, he's amazing. God has used him in incredible ways. He's been through um, our, our Young Adults Master's Commission GT, Generation Transformation Program here. Then he's gone off and he's traveling the world. God's put the heart of an evangelist in this guy and he's not afraid to tell people about Jesus. And, and today he wants to tell you about cookies. Um, no, he's got sweets and uh, things out there in the lobby. I'd like to invite you to stop by and uh, get some kind of sweet to uh, satisfy that sweet tooth craving, but to help support him. Uh, he's still raising money. Uh, this venture has not been an inexpensive one, several thousands of dollars. And um, he's done a lot of this on his own. This young man's been on his own really since he was quite young. And, uh, and we're proud of him. Would you, uh, would you do a favor and stand to your feet with me this morning? Stretch a hand towards Tyler and let's ask for God's blessing and favor. Lord, thank you so much for a young man who's willing to answer the call without conditions. And he said yes to you, I'll go where you send me. Lord, he has stepped out in faith without the means to do it financially or the resources, but he knows you've called him and he said yes. And he has worked diligently. He has worked, Lord, in his own power to, to do what he can. And I pray in Jesus' name that supernaturally you would provide the rest of the means that are needed for him to step out into the mission field, into his training area. The Lord bless him, I pray. Bless him as he goes. Uh, keep a hedge of protection around him. I pray that you would continue by your spirit to, to develop and shape him into the man of God that you have called him to be in his, his area of calling, his giftedness, the entrepreneurial gift, the evangelist gift, all the gifts that you have given Tyler. And his heart is to use that to share the gospel message of Jesus Christ. What higher cause could there be? Lord, I pray that you'd provide every penny that is needed Lord, like manna from heaven. And Lord, use your people, I pray. If there's someone here today that's inclined to give, that they would give generously and that you would multiply it and use those gifts to help him to get out on the field where he needs to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Over the next six months, I want you to remember this good-looking face here and I want you to pray for him. Your first uh, venture is to, is it Spain? Yeah, Spain. I mean, Spain for six months. Three. three months training in Spain and then you've got another three months somewhere else. I can't Thailand. keep up Thailand. Yeah, so give him a hand. Let him know you love him. Thailand to Guatemala. Um, he worked yesterday in the kitchen with Elizabeth making some nice goodies and uh, I went and just gave him a few bucks and said, can I just keep coming back all day and have a cookie? Is that, does that work? Um, so please uh, 
make sure you take advantage of that. But go and bless Tyler. Um, don't just pay 50 cents for a cookie. Bless him. All right. It's more than just cookies. It's a cause, right? Uh, I also want to remind you, if you're a man here, that uh, we have our men's breakfast is not the first Saturday of the month. We take the summer off, but we're switching that to the second Saturday of the month. And Dean, Dean McCaslin is going to be, stand up, Dean, so we can see you. He's got a haircut like mine. You can't miss him. Good looking bald guy. Uh, Dean is going to be overseeing our men's breakfast on Saturday mornings, the second Saturday of September and October. And so uh, we'd love for you to come. Is it eight or nine? I can't remember. Eight o'clock on Saturday morning, October, September the 14th and October, I don't know when it is, the second Saturday. Uh, but please make sure you stop in. Today I'm excited because one of the men in our group um, that's newly come into our church through the journey program is going to be baptized down the river. Um, that, that, that feels a little more like Jesus did it, right? It's a little colder than our baptismal tank that's 90 degrees. Um, so the men are getting together to celebrate a baptism down there and I am very, very proud and excited about um, all of our men getting on a journey to follow Jesus. And it's a journey to learn how to abide in Christ. So uh, I'm going down there today. And I'm not doing the baptism. Some of the men in our church are. But I'm going to be there because I think it's amazing. Anytime a person gives their heart to Jesus and they follow him in, in obedience through water baptism. That's an outward expression of an inward change saying, I'm not ashamed to say I'm following Jesus today. And can we give that, that man a hand? He is here today and I'm so proud and excited for him. So we're on a journey, and we've been on the journey for several weeks. I believe this is week five, uh, six, seven, eight, and I've got, no, this is week six. We've got two weeks left after today. Um, two more weeks on the teaching of our motivational or service gifts. And we're talking about the motivational gift of prophecy this morning. And I want to um, distinguish what prophecy, the motivational gift of prophecy is not. It's not the sign gift of prophecy, and it's not the, we talk about the sign gifts, the support gifts, and the service gifts. So they're all broken down, and we have them for you on this sheet of paper out in the lobby. But the, the sign gifts are found in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. That's things like healings, miracles, faith. Uh, tongues, interpretation of tongues. Uh, and that's a whole Pentecostal thing that people go, oh boy, is that still happening? Those are the gifts that are sp spoken about in the scripture. And so we teach on those here. We're not in that particular series right now because those are another whole, um, about 12 weeks or three, six, nine, yeah, nine weeks or so of teaching. Then the, the next so uh, set of gifts, that the way they're broken down in scripture, are what we call the support or the leadership gifts. So, the gift that I'm talking about today is the only gift of all of them that are mentioned or used in all three categories of giftings. Prophecy is used in the sign gifts. It, it follows tongues, interpretation, and prophecy. It's used in the sign gift category. It's also gifts of inspiration or the, the voice of God. What we like to call the... the uh, how God speaks through us, through those prophecy. The next is in the support gifts found in Ephesians chapter 4. These are the support or the leadership gifts. Again, another whole category. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, and pastors or teachers. Another gift of prophecy. But today, we're not talking about it in those terms. Uh, our, our scriptures that we're talking about is the motivational or the service gift of prophecy. And I want you to understand that there's a difference. There is some crossover, 
But there's a difference. Romans chapter 12 is our text. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, God's grace, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith. So the three types of prophetic gifts. The gift of prophet. This is what we're not talking about, but I want you to understand what the gift of prophet is. This is one of the five support or leadership offices given by God to the church for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. This is talked about in Ephesians chapter 4. This might sound confusing, but stay with me. So I want you to understand that this, this particular gifting that we have is talked about in all three categories. The prophet awakens, warns, and provokes the church to action. That's how the gift of prophet is used. The prophet calls the church to return to the written word of God. The prophet doesn't foretell future events. That's, he's not a, not a fortune teller, all right? But he speaks forth God's quickened word and he calls us to repentance and to encourage us with the truth of the Bible. That's the gift. The supernatural gift of prophecy that I talked about, the, the sign gift, is God working through individuals to give divine, spontaneous encouragement to the body of Christ. This is spoken in a known language of the congregation without tongues and interpretation of tongues. Spoken about in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 4. Um, and I find nowhere in my Bible that it says any of these gifts have ceased or stopped. So it's important that we find out how and where they function. Okay? So we're not talking about the gift of prophet. We're not talking about the supernatural gift of prophecy. We're talking about the motivational gift of prophecy. Remember, the motivational gifts are very much for service and outreach and they function on a much more personal basis. They are what motivate us. The gifts that we're talking about, and this is five of eight. How many of you have discovered a gift, by the way, so far? One of the, raise your hands. Great, good. Some of you are still learning. Some of you knew you had it. But here's the, here's the thing I need you to understand that's so critical that we get about these service gifts. Every single one of you has at least one most of you more than one. Some of you, you're, you're a mutt kind of like me and you have a mixture of many. But there's always a predominant gift. A very strong one that you should be able to point out and say, yep, that's me. Now, people have the tendency to say, you know, and, and that might be you this morning when I start talking about the motivation. See, these, these gifts we call them motivational because they are how we function. They are what motivate us. But people say, oh, no, I don't have that gift. So, broop, turn, tune out. That'd be the worst thing you can do. It's important that you understand if this is not your gift, someone else has that gift. And one of the things that happens in the church often is there's a clash of the titans. There's a clash of the giftings. Because we don't understand that when a person is functioning in their gift and we don't function that way, sometimes that rubs us the wrong way. And we get offended. And do you know, this is the irony of the spiritual gifts. <laughs> People leave churches over gifts because they get ticked off with somebody else in the church. Because they're functioning in their gift. And you don't understand that's their gift. So you get mad at them. And this is a particular gift, the motivational gift of prophecy, that sometimes comes across as being a little abrasive. And if you don't understand it, 
as that's how God's wired that person. That's how God's motivated that person. That's how God uses that person. You might get mad at that person and say, he's a jerk and he calls himself a Christian. I'm out of here. When all the while, they're just trying to function in their gift. So it's important that you understand how all these functions work together for the good of the whole body. So please understand, if you don't have this gift, somebody else does. And they may be sitting right next to you. And they may be your husband and your wife. And you may be like, man, he's a jerk or I can't stand when she's this. But the reality is, they may be functioning in the gift and the anointing that God's given them. But you don't understand it here. Therefore, it doesn't make sense here. And then a, an emotion that comes out is maybe not so good. Are you following me? Am I making sense? So I want you to understand these things might not just... They, they, they correlate to some degree with our personality and our makeup. I get that. Because the way God has woven us together. Read Psalm 1, uh, 139. Fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are his works. God has knit you together in your mother's womb. And he created the personality you have. He's given you the gifts you have. And they all work together. This series is so critical for us as a church to understand. Because it's not just you're functioning within the four walls of this building. It's your function in your family. It's your function in your workplace. It's your function in your community. And it's critical that you understand how God's wired you to function. And it's not just a personality characteristic or a flaw. It's a spiritual gift. And so it's critical that you understand the motivational gift of prophecy is this. It's the motivational function or the office, according to Romans 12, that describes the predominant way in which an individual will approach their ministry and view other people, get this, this is how they view other people and circumstances in the body of Christ. That's what the motivational gift of prophecy is all about. Heavenly Father, I pray in the next few minutes you would captivate our minds, our attention, remove every distraction that is out there, Lord, and floating around in our minds, and I pray that we would be focused upon you, that your Holy Spirit would get our attention, that you'd speak to our hearts Help transform our minds, our way of thinking, our way of feeling so that we can understand what motivates us to function and how we are to function and how others function and how we all come together in this amazing plan of yours, this incredibly intricate puzzle, but all the pieces perfectly fitting together to make a beautiful portrait of what you created this body to be. Help us to more fully understand it, I pray in Jesus' name. And everyone in agreement said... Amen. Let's, let's get it, right? So what is this gift? It enables one to declare God's truth. This gift enables that person who's got it to speak with conviction. When they speak, there's a conviction in their heart and it comes out of their mouth. It enables someone to warn people without fear of consequences. So the person with this gift really doesn't care what you think or feel about them. They're willing to, to say some things that need to be said. And they may come across as a little bit... Um, abrasive at times but because they're able to speak that without fear of oh man I'm, what if they don't like me if I speak that you're able to speak the truth in love with boldness and conviction and w would you all agree that we need to hear that sometimes there's some things we don't want to hear but we need to hear so prophecy defined um, and Natasha I forgot about what we were going to do we'll do that at the very end okay remind me wave your hand flag me down uh, the Greek word used in the New Testament to describe this prophecy defined is speaking forth the mind and counsel of God. 
Speaking forth the mind and the counsel of God. So if you don't like when someone speaks to you and says something that you don't like, I want you to remember that the gift of prophet is used to speak forth the mind and the, the, that, that word counsel, please forgive me, but it's spelt in the wrong context. It should be S-E-L, not S-I-L, like in a council meeting, if you caught that. I just saw that. But anyway, for you English buffs, please don't crucify me later. If you're watching on TV, please still love me. Or um, So... Would you agree that we need to hear the mind and the counsel of God? Okay. And would you agree that sometimes we don't hear the audible voice of God like we would like to? I would love it if every time I'm praying about something and I need wisdom and guidance direction, God would just boom with a thundering vocal voice just come right into my living room or, or into my office and tell me what to do. Have you ever said that before? All right, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just throw something that you might not like. Don't be surprised if sometimes the voice of God sounds a lot like your wife. <laughs> or your husband, right? Because this is, listen, this is the truth. You need to understand this. That God's gifted people in the body to speak to you. And sometimes it might be someone that's close to you or someone that's praying with you. And they come and they say something to you. And maybe you don't like that. That could be the mind and counsel of God. Now it's important. It's critical that if you have the gift of prophet, that you're in tune with the Holy Spirit. See how this could be so devastating and damaging. If you're a person that is, has this gift and you're operating outside of abiding in Christ, you could speak the wrong words into someone's life and you're responsible for that. And we've seen the damages of that as well. This is why the men who are in the men's group are learning the principle of abiding in Christ. And so critical that we be in tune with the Holy Spirit so that when we have a gift and we use the gift, it's not just us and our flesh. It's the Holy Spirit speaking through us, right? The mind and the counsel of God. God that's how God uses this gift. And you and I need that. Sometimes he speaks through your spouse. And it's happened to us just recently. And my wife and I just had a conversation the other day. And I'm like, I, I just know that's from God. I, I know you're right. It's right on. I, didn't, I don't really like it, but that's okay. I know it's from God. It's what needs to be done. Has that ever happened to you? Anybody have that happen? And God uses somebody. So we need that. So there are strengths and there are weaknesses with this. So the motivational gift of prophecy is the ability to, to declare God's truth, which touches hearts and brings conviction. I think I have that, a couple of these together up there. The, the motivational gift is the intuitive ability to sense and the boldness to declare the application of God's truth to specific situation that one is facing. So this is where the, the gift of this office and the motivation of this office is so critical that we are in tune with and we have a sense and a boldness to declare that application. The third thing is the God-given ability to size up and this is modern day vernacular, this is not King James, but to kind of put things into perspective, a given situation from God's perspective. The person with this gifting is able to kind of understand and to see things in a way that maybe someone who doesn't have this gift cannot. Again, you might have some of these gifts, not all of them. So if you don't have them, would you want someone else to be able to speak to you, the mind and the counsel of God? I hope you do. And I hope you're open to receive that. The God-given ability to, to, to discern or understand the inner motivations of people. If you're a person with this gifting, somebody tries to blow smoke your way, you pick it up like that, you know. 
Holy Spirit tells you. The God-given ability, and I found that, that, um, that women are, are used often in this gift as well. Um, great discernment. The God-given ability to speak words which convict and cause people to make certain wrongs in the body of Christ. Right. Make them right. Make right certain wrongs. To be able to say, you know what, that's wrong. Don't do that. So, uh, you know, the, the life of Peter, um, and, and when you leave today, out there on the table, they'll, they'll be uh, printed on yellow pieces of paper, I believe. Some of you already got them early. You're not supposed to be able to get them early because then you cheat. Um, but on your way out, somebody, they might already be gone, I don't know. But on your way out, you can get those because here's the reality. We don't have time to go through the hours and hours of study it would take for every single passage that I'm going to give you on Peter's life. But, but you can, especially if you feel that, boy, I might have this gift, you need to dig deeper into scripture and, and learn and glean from the life of Peter. But the, here's some characteristics. The need to express thoughts and ideas verbally. Especially regarding right and wrong. So the person with the gift of prophet, immediately like something comes and it comes right out the mouth. And sometimes too quick. Peter spoke more often than any other disciple in the gospels. He was the spokesman for the early church. Acts chapter 2 verse 4 and 13, 6. Peter was the guy that was the mouthpiece. He was the one who said everything. He said the things everybody else was thinking. Uh, and he often... Uh, the, the, another characteristic is people with this gift have a tendency to make quick judgments on what is seen and heard and they speak up quickly. Like I said, sometimes too quickly. Peter spoke first more than any other disciple. Matthew chapter 14, 15, 16, 17, 19, John, they're all written down. But Peter was the first person to open his mouth. They also have an amazing ability to sense when someone or something is not what it appears to be. And to react harshly to dishonesty. People with the gift of prophecy do not like when someone is dishonest with them. It just twerks them the wrong way and they, they, they're going to speak up and nail you to the wall. Hopefully in love. We'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, Peter's condemnation of Ananias and Sapphira uh, in Acts chapter 5, it resulted in their death. But man, he, he dealt head on with that. A desire, another characteristic, a desire to reject those uh, who offend so that justice will be done and others will be warned. Peter was reluctant to forgive his offender and he asked even in Matthew chapter 18, Lord, how, much, how long do I have to put up with this character? How long do I have to deal with him? He didn't want to deal, he didn't want to forgive his offender. So a, a weakness, and we're going to talk about strengths and weaknesses. They also have a characteristic of, of openness about personal faults and failures and an honesty about themselves as well as about others. Peter in, in uh, Luke chapter 5, he fell at the feet of Jesus and he said, Lord, depart from me, leave me, for I am a sinful man. He was well aware of his own shortcomings, Peter was. So are those that have this particular motivation. They also have a tendency to be impulsive in actions and to be wholeheartedly involved in whatever is done. So people with this gifting... now. Here's what this is important for you to understand. If you don't have this gift and, and you work alongside of or you know someone, again, maybe married to them or not, but you can see that they tend to be impulsive at times. But they're also all in when I get in. 
right? And that can probably annoy some people if that's not how you are. You're more, let's, let's slow this down, let's back up, let's take time, let's process. And, but, you know, I want somebody on my team that's all in, right? That's, that's how I am. I want you to be all in. So there's, there's good and there's bad. Peter was so eager to walk on water in Matthew chapter 14. He's like, yeah, let's do it. Let's jump out of the boat. He didn't think twice about it. He's like, okay, Jesus is there. He's calling me. I'm out, man. I'm gone. He jumped out of the boat, right? First one to talk, first one to act. Matthew chapter 14. But he also forbid Jesus to wash his feet. In John chapter 13, no, don't touch my feet, Jesus. But then later on, he wanted him to wash his hands and his head in John chapter 13 verse 6. So some interesting dynamics here in Peter's life and his calling. Another characteristic is a, ten, a tendency to be painfully direct when correcting friends. You're laughing because you know some of those people or you are one. You, you've, you've had those people that just, and maybe it's you, you're like, you're really direct, painfully direct. And later you're like, eh, was I too harsh on them? Was I, uh, Peter rebuked Jesus. Peter rebuked Jesus. For a course of action that he didn't think was right for him to take. The audacity of Peter. But that's how people with this gift in Mark chapter 8 verse 31 talks about that. With this gifting they're, they're ready to, to correct even their closest of friends and call them out on the carpet. Another characteristic of desire to give open evidences of loyalty and total commitment. Peter assured Jesus that he would never deny him, right? Oh no, Jesus, not me. I'm, I am totally loyal. I am totally committed to you. And he defended Jesus by cutting off the ear of the high priest's servant. Matthew chapter 26 and John 18. Another characteristic is a willingness to suffer for doing what is right. Peter rejoiced in being counted worthy to suffer shame for Jesus when he was beaten for obeying God rather than man. And then an ability, also an ability to be very persuasive in defining what is right and what is wrong. People with this, this gift, the gift of, uh, motivational gift of prophecy, they can be very persuasive. This is right, this is wrong. And, and God used this in Peter's life. God brought conviction to thousands as P Peter pointed out. He said, you have you have taken Jesus and by your wicked hands you, you have slain him in Acts chapter 2. So there's some strengths to every gift. I say there are strengths and there are weaknesses. Let's, let's go through some of the strengths real quick. And, and um, again, if, the, if these are you, you should be marking these down. Say, yeah, that's me, that's me. Further study is needed for you so that you can operate well in this gift. The gift of sanctified criticism. Uh, so the people with this gifting, they're able to, you know, you walk away from a conversation with them and you're like, oh, that feels, oh wait, was, did they criticize me or was they, and did they lift me, did they encourage me? Um, and so the, the person with that motivational gift, I don't think they're thinking that way, but that's just how they operate. And, and I know people who's like, oh, oh, was that a, it's a sanctified criticism is what that is. That's a biblical term for that. Um, it's the ability to verbalize truth with very little forethought or preparation. It just comes. It's here, goes here, boom, it's out the mouth. They just say it. Right? Without a lot of forethought or preparation. Sometimes, like I said, they say it too quick. And if that's you, sometimes you've realized that. And you're like, I probably should have sat on that for at least 10 seconds or so. Because that wasn't good. Um, the ability to feel what God feels and to see things from God's point of view. 
So the person with this gifting and this operation, this motivation, they see and feel the things of the heart of God more, sometimes more intimately and more closely than others do. Oftentimes. And that's what propels or compels them to action. It's the ability to see God's coming judgment upon sin unless there's repentance. So then they see things that are wrong functioning in the Bible or, or in the body of Christ from the Bible's perspective, from knowing the heart of God. Man, there's, there's got to be repentance. They're the ones that are like, you know, turn or burn, hellfire and brimstone. Pastor, we got to preach more of that hellfire and brimstone, not this grace and love crap, you know. We just got to let people know. Judgment. And that, okay, so that's the one side of the people who are, are gifted with this. They don't fully get it when the people with mercy and grace are saying, oh, we need to be more loving. And more. But would you say that we need both? Right? Again, the importance of understanding these, these gifts have to work in balance together. You need both. The ability to quickly discern dishonest character and motives. People with this operational gifting have this, you know, it's not a sixth sense, it's the Holy Spirit sense. To be able to know when someone's character or their motives are dishonest, they're not deceived by outward appearance and smooth personalities. They look right through that. They look at Rico Suave and they're like, I don't think so, I got your number, pal. Right? They're not deceived by that, they can see through that. Whereas others have a harder time doing that. Like, oh, is he sincere? Is she? I don't know. I'm, I'm having a hard time. They, they have the ability to see through that. Now, again, remember that these are, uh, there's exceptions to every rule. There's exceptions to every rule. So you may say, man, I feel like I got this. I'm not sure. I got. So you're going to see some of these strengths in you and you'll, you're going to realize that that might be you. Now, if you have, you know, if you have eight of the ten, it's probably a strong dominant gift that you have. If you have at least five of these, these things that I'm talking about, it's probably an area that, that God is using you in for sure. But you're not going to have all of these. Um, the ability to speak frankly, even to friends, without considering the consequences. Again, you know, you're okay with saying stuff if it's going to cost you friendships. Because you have to speak the truth. You cannot help it. You've got to deal with it. And you don't give a lot of thought to the cost or the consequences. You just shout it out. The ability to stand, fir stand firm on, on his or her convictions, causing people around them to be convicted of sin. They're very firm. And we need those people. But sometimes we don't like those people. Right? Because they speak the, these, these truths that are very convicting. Uh, the last three, eight, nine, and ten. The ability to be overwhelmed with passion and emotion when facing injustices and disobedience. This person doesn't do well with that. They, they need to, they get overwhelmed with emotion, with passion when things just aren't done right or that people just aren't obeying it just absolutely. And this should lead them to the ministry of, of intercessory prayer, seeking the face of God, praying for others. For sure, that's a, that's a, a, a side, should be a side effect, if you will. Number nine, the ability to appeal to scripture to support uh, their author authoritative declarations. Um, and they're, you know, they're, they're the kind of people, we don't hear this as much anymore, but they're the kind of people that are, you know, blah, 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 thus saith the Lord. Like, this is God speaking. This is not me. Pay attention. Um, and, and they are. And they, some, sometimes we don't, we don't hear that as much as we used to maybe in the church. But it's true. They are the mouthpiece of God. The voice of God and the counsel of God. They also have an ability to endure harsh criticisms. Um, people with this gift have to have a backbone and the fortitude and the wherewithal to endure. So if you are gifted in this motivation, 
uh, be prepared that you will be criticized. And, and here's the danger. Sometimes when that happens, people are like, you know what? I'm just not going to say anymore. I just, I'm just sick of the criticism. I'm, I'm just going to shut my mouth. But that's not what God's calling you to do. So it's very hard not to do that. That's why you have to abide in Christ and be more concerned with living in the fear of God than the fear of man. Which says I'm more concerned with what God thinks about me and what he's called me to do, to do than what, I, what you think about me and what, 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 how our friendship goes. I've got to speak and deal with criticism. I'm going to give you some weaknesses here real quick this morning. Um, and these are kind of comical but um, true. Sometimes people with this motivation, they tend to correct people who are not their responsibility. Um, like they'll go to McDonald's and they'll see a server not doing their job. And boy, it just irritates them. And they're like, oh, this person is not, they, they do not know how to be friendly and kind. I need to talk to them. Come on over here, sweetie. Let's talk because you are not doing your job well. Um, that, that is, now I know you may want to do that if you have that gift, but that is not your responsibility. Are you, unless you're her boss or his boss. That's right. So they, they often feel that they're responsible for everyone. And it's really, it's, it's extra hard for them to hold back when they see things that are wrong. And, and this might be you. Like, oh, I've got to deal with this. I've got to do something. Uh, the next thing that they might do, a weakness, is jumping to conclusions about words and actions and motives. Prophets tend to draw conclusions on, on few known facts. Based on, on these and a built-in sense of right and wrong, they may draw hasty conclusions. Again, they need to sometimes slow down because they can jump to conclusions. That might be you. Again, you've got some wonderful strengths. Remember that there are weaknesses and you've got to find that balance and you've got to learn. So part of this, uh, this series is not just um, helping you to, to identify that you've got a gift, but helping you to, to develop and hone that gift that God's given you and to be, be teachable. And say, okay, God's given me this gift. There's a lot of strengths to it. But there, there's another side that there are weaknesses to that I have to learn from that. And when God's given you these wonderful gifts, it's your responsibility. It's your obligation to hone that skill or that gift. Use it, but let God help to, to bring correction where there needs to be. Reinforcing a condemning spirit. Uh, once a hasty conclusion has been made, the person with this gift tends to look for confirming evidence. Yep, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to blast them, condemn them, throw them to the wall, and I'm going to say, here's the evidence behind you, buddy. I got all the evidence I need. Boom, boom, boom. And this can result in taking words and actions of the, of the accused maybe out of context in order to prove a point that you're trying to make. Uh, oftentimes they tend to judge and expose an offender rather than restore the offender. Um, so we got to remember, everything to be done in a spirit of love, right? To judge a Christian brother is to pass a sentence on him based upon the evidence at hand and not to be concerned about helping that person to overcome a problem. So don't just nail him to the wall. Say, hey man, I see this in you. The Holy Spirit has revealed this to me. I know it's there. I want to help you to overcome that because I'm not here to cast condemnation and judgment. I'm here to help you. And God's given me this gift to restore you. Now that sometimes that restoration doesn't come until the issue is brought up and, and the person with that gift addresses it and the, and the person who receives it feels the conviction of the Holy Spirit and they're like broken. And when that brokenness comes and the Holy Spirit can work through that gift of prophecy, of prophet to help restore them. But that should be the spirit behind it all, right? 
three of you agree, that's good. Number five, um, sometimes we can cut off a person who has failed. Cutting off a person who has failed. Once a person has failed, prophets tend to cut them off from the fellowship with that person and they persuade others to do the same. Yep, nope, they're done, we're done. I'm all set, boom, you're out of here. And even friends can be cut off in favor of being true to a cause. So that's important that we don't just cut them off because they failed. Number six, dwelling on the negative rather than the positive. So prophets are more sensitive uh, to deception and to sin and to evil than, than others are. And this often results in their being against more things than they are for. So the person with this gift, or at least it appears that way to others, if something is partly right and partly wrong, prophets tend to see the, it's all wrong. They're kind of the more the pessimistic ones that see the glass half full rather than, or half empty rather than half full. That's their natural makeup. Uh, so they view things in extremes of either they're all right or they're all wrong. Got to learn from that and be open. Uh, number seven, lacking cautiousness and tactfulness in expressing opinions. Um, they're driven by this desire to be totally open and honest. And, and because of that, prophets can often share opinions uh, which have been better off maybe just not said. Sometimes you keep your opinions to yourself. They don't need to be said. And that's hard because, it, but it's true, they need to know. Zip it. Sometimes it needs to be zipped. Sometimes it needs to be spoken. You need to have the discernment of the Holy Spirit to know when to zip it and when to open it. Often they demand a positive response to a harsh rebuke. So prophets tend uh, to expect immediate repentance regardless of whether uh, their rebuke was in love or even if it was fully accurate. They see, hey, it's partial wrong. It's all wrong. You better repent, man. Right now, right? They tend to magnify failures uh, in order to promote repentance. Be careful, right? Because, again, people leave the church over things like this, guys. It's important that we recognize our gift, understand our gift, and that we practice it properly. We use it in a way that's honoring to God. And sometimes because people don't understand the balance of their gift, and they're not flexible and teachable enough to realize that, hey, this is an awesome gift. It's got a lot of strengths, but there are also a lot of weaknesses. With every strength, there's a subsequent weakness. You've got to balance them out. They also condemn themselves when they fail. The harsh judgment which prophets have on others, they also have for themselves. They tend to be extremely self-critical and they feel worthless when they fail. And accusing others of deception if they don't fully reveal the faults. So here's the deal. If, you're, if you've got the gift of, of prophecy or the, the, that anointing and you are, are going to sell a used car to me, you are going to tell me every single thing that's wrong with it. Well, but I, I got to tell you, you know, I, it's only 15 years old, but you know, there's a scratch under the back left rear bumper. You can't really see it, but I want you to know it's under there. And, uh, and there was a, a hole in this tire and it got plugged and it's been working for five years, but I just want you to know, you know, you just tend to go, oh, you know, you're selling a used appliance, right? Well, I know it's used, but I got to tell you about this scratch that's over here. You just, you, to, to an extreme, you go the extra mile to um, tell all the weaknesses and all the faults of that item, which is great. If you're selling me a used car, I appreciate that. Amen. But the problem is, the problem is, the other people who don't have that same gift might not tell you that and you expect that. 
And then down the road, you're like, well, she didn't tell me there was a scratch on the back left rear bumper way underneath here that you can't see. But you know, why well, I can't believe they didn't tell me that. Because you would do that, you expect others to do that. Do you understand? So that's how, those are the practical ways in which we're, we're just, we, we're wired differently. So I'm going to move quickly through the examples of Jesus on this gift. He mourned deeply over the fate of Jerusalem because of sin. Jesus fearlessly rebuked the Pharisee even though it meant that he would, uh, that they would plot his death. Jesus discerned the situation of the woman at the well before she even opened her mouth. And then when she did, he said, no, I, I know you've got many, right? He discerned that. Jesus was recognized as a prophet by those who heard him preach and teach. And Jesus was able to hate sin, yet always love the sinner. Amen. Hate the sin, love the sinner. So we learn a lot from the life of Jesus. In closing this morning, ask yourself the question, answer the question, I should say, is this a gift that I have? And if it is, how can I hone that gift and use it to help be a part of building God's kingdom? And if it's not mine, how can I be more understanding and sensitive and compassionate to those who maybe operate in this gift? Instead of getting offended over that, just realize maybe that's how God's wired them. So in closing, I got four points I want to share with you up on the screen. I'll give you the first two. Number one, because of a strong desire to express himself verbally, the prophet has got to learn to be, listen, and not too quick to speak. Right? Learn to listen and not be too quick to act or to speak or to say something. Slow down, prophet. Take time. Catch your breath. See the things that you see. Know them in your heart. Understand them in your mind and before you open your mouth, check it with the Holy Spirit. And sometimes that's as easy as saying, Lord, should I share this right now or not? Because it might be the right thing that needs to be shared but not the right timing. And if someone's not ready to receive that and you blurt it out anyway because you just got to say it, you could really send them on a downward spiral the wrong direction. Are you with me? So it's important. Take time to listen. Don't be too quick. That's hard. For some of us, we're wired that way. <clears throat> Abiding in Christ. Not, not walking in the flesh, but walking in the Spirit. And when you're walking in the Spirit, you'll be in tune with the Holy Spirit. And you won't satisfy the desires of the flesh. To say it just because I got to say it. But you'll be in tune with the Lord and say the right thing when it needs to be said. Secondly, because of the quick denouncement of sin, the prophet's got to never forget to love the sinner. And this is so, so, so important, right? Jesus hated the, the sin, but he loved the sinner. It's the same that we're supposed to do. We can't just point out everybody's sin and say, oh man, they're, you know, yep, they're, we just need to be condemned. They're just a mess and they're all blah, blah, blah. Love them. Help direct them. Guide them. Your spirit needs to want, be one that wants to restore, right? Not to just cast judgment and condemnation. Thirdly, because the prophet always sees what's wrong. They just always see the wrong. You know the people. Oh, yeah. He or she cannot become too pessimistic and be a joy stealer. Again, it's natural. The prophet sees this. And again, if it's half wrong or half right, it's all wrong to them. That's how their mind works. That's how they're wired. It's how God made them. But they, as the person with that gift, have to understand there's a balance to that. And it's not necessarily all wrong, even though in my mind, that's where I'm going they can be perceived as being very pessimistic. 
And you can say, well, I'm not a joy stealer. I'm not a naysayer. It's not always no, no, no. But if that's the perception that others have of you, then that's their truth, right? And if that's their truth and they just perceive you as a naysayer and a pessimist all the time, they're going to do this as soon as you start talking. And it could be the voice and the counsel and the mind of God because the Holy Spirit wants to talk through you. But if you're not careful, this is what they're hearing. They don't hear a thing you're saying. And so then the gift is not being used the way God intended it to be used. So you got to be careful. Don't be too pessimistic. Don't be, don't be a joy stealer. And then lastly, because the prophet's stern call for judgment and righteousness, he must be, say that word with me, balanced and appreciate those who have the gift of exhortation, the gift of mercy. Right? So, we've already talked about the gift of mercy and exhortation. And uh, in just a couple weeks, I think Kevin's going to teach on the gift of teaching. Next week, I'm going to teach on the gift of giving. And we're wrapping up this series. Um, really important that you understand these. But exhortation and mercy, these can be at odds with each other. Because the guy who's got the gift of prophecy is thinking, man, you know, we need to let people know. You know, and I said this earlier, and the mercy people are over here saying, oh, we just need to be loving. We just need to love everybody. And he's over here saying, no, they need to know there's judgment and that the Holy Spirit does not please with this and this is wrong. And the, the exhorter's over here, just can't we love everybody and encourage everybody? We just, this is, we just need a hug, right? But there's a balance. This is why all the gifts are needed and they all need to be in operation, in balance. You need to discover your gift. You need to develop your gift. Realize that there are strengths and weaknesses. And then you need to deploy your gift. Discover it. Develop it. Deploy it. The three D's. In other words, find out how God's wired you and, and learn more about it and use it. Amen? All right. I hope that you're learning and I hope that you're hungry to learn more and, and to use your gifts for the sake of the kingdom of God. Are you? Awesome. Natasha, would you grab a mic real quick and come up here with me? We're going to close in a minute, but I forgot this brief commercial break and this isn't really, uh, might not fit well, but next week, Natasha, um, Natasha is our new church administrator. She's doing an awesome job and we are so excited she's here. Um, I think that's on, but we next week have a... Uh, special guests coming in to do some videotaping in the, in the lobby. Um, we're actually, our church is being highlighted on, um, on the city's website. So anybody that checks out the city of Waterville, we are the only religious institution that's going to be highlighted on that. And it's going to help direct them to, if you're looking for a local church, boom, they'll click on Centerpoint. But we need to be ready for that videotaping. So, you know, and some of these things are quote unquote staged, I get it. But, um, you know, we, we want to dress the part, do the part, look the part, all that stuff. Sure. How can we be ready? All right. So it's going to be really simple. We want to try to make it as organic as we possibly can without staging it, but we have to stage some things. So one of the things that they asked us um, is to not, so they have a dress code for us. Um, Don't wear like loud loud patterns patterns <laughs> um, so I thought a. about that when I don't look like me next week um, I'll make sure to dress Zach next week um, yes, that's, that's a good so, thing because um, he's loud <laughs> um, so like solid colors um, but um, we'll, I'll be walking around with them um, if we grab you for something like let's say you're at the cafe and the, they, they pan the camera over we'll just have a form for you to sign um, if you don't want to participate at all then 
hide in a corner. I don't know. Um, um, but we need but, your we need your permission, so you'll have to sign. A, I know we do. Right. We gave those out at the kids this week as well. Yes. So all the um, parents know for children if they should or shouldn't be. Right. So a note about the kids. Our plan right now, there will be no faces shown of any of the children um, okay. as much as we can. Um, so we're going to have them stand at the back of the room and do like a shot of them jumping and dancing from behind. So it kind of keeps some of that. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, yeah, Anonymity. Just, yeah, yes, we'll go with that one. Um, and so, uh, so the kids will be safe in that sense. Um, if you don't want your kids to participate at all, like you don't even want the option of like the back of their head to be seen, um, then we're just going to ask that you keep them in service with you that week um, because we can't guarantee that any child's not going to be shown on the right. camera. Yep. Um, same thing. Okay. Um, so in here, they'll be doing a couple of shots of like worship and things like that. Um, and in the lobby, like we might get a couple of people shaking hands or hugging right, on the right. way out. Um, so, if that so we really want you to pretend like you're friendly next week, all right? <laughs> Act like you like each other for crying out loud. No, we do that yeah. good, but we, you know, and we really, um, we're going to try to ask some of the first service people to stay over a little bit to second service to, to um, mix a little bit more. We want to have a good crowd out there, obviously. We know today's a holiday weekend and summertime, attendance goes down, but make sure you come out, pass the word, and... Um, it's going to be a great promotional opportunity for our church yes. uh, to get the it's word out. And some people say, well, you shouldn't be. Yeah, there's different feels of this. But listen, we want to get the gospel message out through whatever means necessary. Sure. There's a great opportunity to do that. If you want more information, there's a small handout um, at the Welcome Center. So on your way out, you can grab one of those. It just kind of tells you what to expect, how long the shots will take, what you should be here yeah. for. Um, if you have any questions, you can come talk to me too, and I can help you out with that. Awesome. It, they're going to be here for two hours, but it's only a 45 second shot. So there, we won't be asking any of you to do uh, voices or interviews or anything like that. They're doing voiceovers. Those things have already been recorded. It's a very high end being done very professionally. We're doing it at our school as well uh, next Monday, but um, come on out and support that. Thank you so much, Natasha. Why don't you stand to your feet with me? Kevin Wood, would you come real quick? And uh, I'm going to ask Kevin to close this out in prayer. And uh, again, I hope that you are... Um, learning, you're discovering, you're developing, and you are uh, deploying your gifts for, for the kingdom of God. And I ask Kevin to close us in prayer. Thank you so much, Kevin. God bless you, and we'll see you next week. Let's pray. God, I just thank you uh, for this morning, and just thank you for a word this morning um, that we heard. And as we heard over the last several weeks, God, the various gifts that you've given um, to your body, to your church, to your people, God. I just pray for each one of us as we explore, as we hear, help us to dig in and study for ourselves to discover um, what it is uh, that we're to be doing um, for this body. Each one of us has been given at least one of the gifts, God, and challenge each of us to find out what that is, to discover it and to use it, and use it in a powerful and effective way. Help us to understand the strengths Help us to understand also the weaknesses and to be on guard for those and watch out for those. Help us to encourage each other, those, those of us that may, may know our gifts, may feel we know our gifts, but maybe there's many that don't and don't understand. Help us to, if we see something in somebody, uh, send them an encouraging note. Give them an encouraging word. Let them know that you may see a specific gift in that person. God, we just thank you. Thank you for this church. Thank you for all you're continuing to do here at Centerpoint and in our community. We ask all this in Christ's name. Amen. God bless you. Have a great week.